You can't have your pudding unless you've eaten your meat. Isn't that what he says at the very end? That was just so aggressive. That's what he says. Yeah, that's I what know. they say at the very yeah, end. Towards the end of the song, How can yeah. you have your pudding when you haven't had your meat? No, you just right out of the commercial break. Uh-huh. You got some sure. nice bed music going and you just let it loose. Yeah, debatable. I'm not a big Pink Floyd guy. Although I do like the song uh Learning to Fly. That song bangs, dude. That opening riff of the guitar. And then the way he sounds when he sings that song, he's like, Into the distance, a river of black. I don't know. I'm going to listen to that song on the way home. I promise you that. I like that song. I'd send you a video, but you're an HTC guy, so you wouldn't see it clearly. That's not a shot at your phone. That's just how it is. Because we ran this test last weekend with my group of friends. My buddy went to like this jazz ensemble, and he took a video on his phone. He's an iPhone user. And there's one friend of ours, just one, that has an HTC or an Android. And it caused the, the, the video quality to be, like, murky, right, because of obvious reasons. And then I was like, oh, cool, good to see that Sean's still got the HTC. It screws it up for all of us. And then out of context, somebody's like, what the hell are you talking about? or I guess not out of context, but in the conversation, I was like, it's because of his HTC phone or his Android phone that we are all getting screwed by the video quality. So then they took a different text group to everybody but him and sent the video, (laughs) and it was crystal clear. Group chats between Androids and iPhones are annoying. It's It's, the worst. It really is. That's That's why all my group chats are over Snapchat. Oh, they are so because we've tried that before. Like I've been on vacation with, um, you know, Android users and, and iPhone users. Like I went to Vegas last year and we were like wanted to be in a group chat. So like, you know, we could be like, hey, I'm doing this because we wanted it to be like mm-hmm. first day we're hanging out together. Next day, we're all going to do our separate things uh, and then we'll come back and kind of pair up if we mm. want to go, you know, walk the strip at night. And it was just like we we had to we had to split that bad boy up oh, because yeah. it was just like because like sometimes you get like duplicate messages and it was just, it was horrible. So I figured that out last year that it does not work. Anyone that has an Android just needs to accept there's a separate group text without them one thousand percent. Or you just use Snapchat. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's crazy how we are because like you know how if you double tap a like on an iPhone. It just shows like the thumbs up, the heart, the exclamation marks, the thumbs down, thumbs up, or the question mark. But when an Android user does it, it takes the entire text and throws it down one. Yeah. And it's just like, so-and-so liked, be there in five, can't wait to see you. Instead of on iPhones, it's just like, boop, boop, someone liked it. So, yeah, when you ugh. get when, when someone likes your, your message on an mm-hmm. Android group, or even just like a text message, it sends you back another text message that said, you yeah. know, Whoever liked it. Mm. Snapchat. Yeah. yeah. Snapchat's not bad. Snapchat's just a little scandalous. You can get a little scandy on Snapchat. I didn't get it until when I was moving into a house up in Maryville mm. with my uh, you know, roommates. Mm. My all they were already this the three guys that were living there were already in a Snapchat group chat. Yeah. And it was just like, you know, I was like, I had to get it. I had to be a part of the I had to be a part of the group. Get with it or get lost. Yeah. 
Somebody said when they watch the Super Bowl, they go wherever there will not be screaming children. Uh, true that. Yeah. Luckily, my buddy, uh, his house, they all go downstairs, and he lets them do whatever. He's like, you can put on whatever, you know. There's a karaoke machine down there, sing, and just shut the door. Don't hear a thing. And then someone will check in on him eventually. Uh, but I do want to start the 10 o'clock hour uh, with this Chiefs and uh, Niners Super Bowl talk, but kind of more so uh, heavily Chiefs. Are we sure that this is the goal this year? Because there's a lot of, I say a lot of people, but maybe it's a select few now, that will say, unless they win three, they're not a dynasty. There's other people like Rich Eisen and Nick Wright and Mike Greenberg and I think Colin Cowherd has said it, that would consider the Chiefs already a dynasty. Four Super Bowls in six years, six consecutive AFC championships, um, four of which you've won, the dominance they've had on their side of the of the division, eight consecutive AFC West titles. Sure, two Super Bowl titles. Some would already coin them the dynasty. There's a lot of people out there that think, well, they got to win this week. They got to win the Super Bowl. They got to get through the third. Then the door is shut. The conversation's over. There's no doubt the Kansas City Chiefs are a dynasty. But maybe that's not the Chiefs' main goal, right? And the Chiefs have always showed us or shown us that they're always looking at their next shot, which is why the guy you play golf with is probably better than you, why the guy you play pool with is better than you. They're not so much focused on the current shot. They're more focused on what's coming after that. Right? It's no secret that Legereus Sneed was moving in behind Charverius Ward. They weren't going to sign Charverius Ward. Solid corner. Pretty good. You're going to see him in Vegas in seven days. He wears number seven. But they knew they weren't going to sign him, so they planned ahead. We're going to draft a Sneed kid. We think he can be good. Now, all of a sudden, Sneed's debatable, the number one corner in football. And what do they do? They've drafted Trent McDuffie. They've kind of seen things ahead of time before other people might do it. And no team in NFL history has ever won Three straight Super Bowls. Now, the Chiefs have won one of this parlay. One leg of the parlay is down, which in my mind is the toughest one because you got to get to one before you can even have a conversation about two or three. And from what we've seen from the Chiefs in the playoffs so far, they look like they've kind of found their playoff swagger. We know we're better. We know we're more experienced. We have the best quarterback and the best coach. You've got to play perfect to beat us, and we know that. And I think it's interesting to think that when you when you bring up Mahomes and you bring up this Kansas City Chiefs team, 
And you think to yourself, okay, what do we know? Well, we know Patrick Mahomes is a two-time MVP. We know Patrick Mahomes is a two-time Super Bowl MVP. We know Patrick Mahomes is a two-time Super Bowl champion. Okay? The last Super Bowl they won was last year. The Super Bowl, if they can do it, win this, would be two in a row. For a lot of people, they would think that would be the end of the storyline. They would be like, that's it. We'll treat it like it's Cody Rhodes. The storyline's over. Let's get the next big thing in here. That, I don't think, is where the Chiefs are at. Because no team in football's ever won three in a row. And very rarely in sports do you see teams win three in a row in general. Nobody's done it in football. I don't think anybody's done it in baseball. Maybe the Yankees. Who knows? Yeah, you'd have to go back like 100 years. Right? Like That's I know not the, even an exaggeration. Like, I know the Yankees won it in what, like, 98, 99, and 2000? Did they win it three years in a row? Or did Arizona win it in 2000? Or was it 2001? But I know the Bulls have done it twice in the NBA. The Lakers have done it. The Islanders won four in a row in the NHL. But nobody's done it in the NFL. Baseball, we're looking. So the Yankees won it three in a row from 98 to 2000. That's right. That's the one I remember. The Yankees did it in baseball. But again, think about this from the grand scheme of things. If the Chiefs can win this year and then win a third one and go for the three-peat, not only are they a dynasty in the NFL, they are a sports dynasty. You would then think, and again, I'm not getting ahead of myself. I'm not saying they're going to win this game on Sunday, hands down, easy, and they're going to win it next year. But I'm talking about the conversation that you could have if a victory does happen a week from today. Because if they were to win three in a row, be the first team to ever do it in the NFL, and not only that, be one of very few teams to ever do it in the grand scheme of sports, you're not only an NFL dynasty, nah, nah. You're a sports dynasty. And you think about the teams that we just told on that. Chicago Bulls, they did it twice. Jordan. Los Angeles Lakers, right? They're a well-known franchise, partially because they've won three in a row. The Islanders, very well-known in the NHL world. The Yankees, hello. And it's just bizarre. It's, it, it's, it's a feat that's tough to get to, but they've got one leg down. If they can get Sunday down, then you see where your you know where your main focus or where maybe the the attitude of play will be next year. So there have only been back to back Super Bowl champions, yeah, seven times, eight times. So the Packers did it in one and two. Mm. Then you had the Dolphins in the eighties. The Steelers have actually done it twice, mm-hmm. which is impressive. San Francisco, Dallas, the Denver. Broncos, and then of course the Patriots. Yeah, those are your those are your eight. So there's a minor step there. And the reason they do this is because I think we really are seeing Patrick Mahomes be that guy. He is. And when people say he's Michael Jordan, people will say, oh, Dusty, no one calls him Michael Jordan. Just you wait. He changes not only his team and the demeanor and the mentality of what his team is, but his division and his league and sports. To where, like, you don't have to be the biggest NFL person. You could just be, I love baseball. Baseball's my thing. I went and saw Vern yesterday at the stadium. I listened to Vern all day. Football's fine. 
But even if you're not a big football person, you're like, that guy, 15, that guy's good. I know that because everyone talks about him. Just like if you weren't a big, huge basketball fan in the 90s, you knew 23 and red was Chicago, was Michael Jordan, no matter where you were on the earth. And I'm not the only one saying he can be Michael Jordan from all grand scheme of things. Your son, Kyle, was on Kevin Clark's podcast a couple days ago when he said his year with the Chiefs, he would leave practice. He said there were at least 30 times he felt like he was at Area 51, seeing things he wasn't supposed to see and would call you to talk about what he was seeing at practice. A, is that story true? And B, what are some of the things he would tell you about play, you know, practicing and playing with Patrick? No, no question. We, we, you know, I listen to boys call all the time. We're, we're blessed to have kids that kind of want to call, thankfully. <laughs> we have grandkids, so I'm kind of invested in that. Um, Kyle was blown away by Patrick and felt like Patrick was the closest thing in the NFL to Michael Jordan yeah. in terms of, you know, his competitive nature, his physical abilities, his, his, died to try to win um and and i think it was probably a a week like much like this past weekend where the wind's blowing and it's you know 10 degrees i forget which game it was the year that kyle was there and and he was sitting out on the bench before the pregame started he's sitting there with one of the coaches and and the wind's blowing 25 30 miles an hour and he turned to the coach and said we're going to probably run the ball a lot more today right and the coach said see that guy he throws through the wind. From the 913, Dan and KCK, high dusty Chiefs defense will stop McCaffrey and blitz Purdy. And Red Auerbach winning eight straight NBA titles for the Celtics was some feat. Take care. Didn't he have like Bill Russell? It's like, wasn't it like Bill Russell, like seven feet tall against like a bunch of milkmen? So it's like, it's like, that's like the theory of Babe Ruth, right? Babe Ruth was like super awesome, like really good. But, like, who is he going against? Not Jackie Robinson. Not Satchel Paige. Not Buck O'Neill. He's out there playing, like, Fred Davis, local mailman, throwing 50-mile-an-hour EFAS pitches, and he's just plowing them out to the right field. But, no, eight straight's still great. What did, uh, what did John Wooden, didn't he win, like, a ton in a row in college? People are like, is Andy Reid going to retire after this year? Nope. He's going to retire after he wins three in a row because that's a mic drop. Because then what? Well, Belichick's won six or whatever, seven, six, six. Yeah, six. It's one less than Brady. Yeah, he won six, went to nine, lost to the Eagles and the Giants twice. Brady's got seven, one solo. If you won three in a row, Andy Reid could just be like, I've won four titles. I won three in a row. No one's ever done that in the NFL. I've won 10 consecutive AFC West titles. I'm the greatest ever. I would have no argument. Because then he goes out like that. How'd Bill Belichick go out? Oof. Yeah. Oof. Didn't even get hired. Yeah, I think it it would just be so hard to walk away when you have Patrick Mahomes. I mean, and the guy, you still see the, there's that story that came out, I think this last Mm offseason, that Andy Reid, Texted Mahomes a play at three in the morning. Sure. And someone who had who's doing that still has a deep love for yeah. the game. Well, I know he gets up like every day at four o'clock and drives to one arrowhead drive. 
At least that's what they say. Yeah, so someone someone who, who does that, who has that love for the game, I don't see him walking away anytime soon. Especially somebody who's like 65. Yeah. It's Honestly, horrible. as soon as he won his first one, mm-hmm. he was a lock for the Hall of Fame. Oh, I think he was a lock for the Hall of Fame when he was in Philadelphia. I don't know. You know how you know how much yeah. you know, ring chasers there are. Right. But yeah. And Mahomes is already in the Hall of Fame. Kelsey's in the Hall of Fame. Yep. I think uh I think C Dot had a conversation about how Chris Jones is already in the Hall of Fame. Probably two time Super Bowl champion. Yeah. And all of the all the all pros and pro bowls and yeah. he's been Sack a numbers. he's been a huge part of this dynasty oh, yeah. run oh, or yeah. pre dynasty run, yeah. whatever you want to call it. Whatever it is. Um, so you, do you find yourself watching the franchise? I will watch it like once you're pining for NFL yes, action. Yes. Once I'm like in the drought. So mm-hmm. like, you know, in June, yeah. you know, when it or like that July 4th week when mm-hmm. there's literally no football conversations to be had because all of the, you know, it's everybody's on break, but we're like right there for training camp and yeah. you're just like, you're just ready for it. Sure. That's when I watch it. So I'm kind of the opposite. I'll watch, like, the first episode to kind of see, like, you know, because it's a lot similar to, like, you know, Hard Knocks, which I don't watch. I thought there was a couple of moments this year that Mike McDaniel was pretty interesting. Um, But I don't really watch Hard Knocks just because the football season in general is already, like, overload, right? You get a game Monday, Thursday, Sunday. Fantasy football, waiver wire stuff throughout the season. You're really not really, you know, on the edge of your seat, I need football. But I do find myself watching the franchise a little bit more as the playoffs start. <clears throat> and I wanted to see kind of how they talked about the Miami game with all the snow and all that and, you know, before that. And the one this past weekend was awesome. Or I guess it came out on Friday night. Because that's the AFC Championship game one. And the thing that's interesting about it is, like, after you watch it, like, you'll get chills. Like, I watched it last night, a couple of buddies. And I was like, have you guys seen the franchise? Because I, I got home Friday night after the show, and I was like, well, there's not really any NBA on. There's definitely no college basketball on. And I've already seen I think you should leave three times all the way through. I'm not going to watch that tonight. I'll watch the franchise. And then a buddy starts texting me. And he's like, do you watch franchise? I'm like, funny you say that. I just started the AFC Championship game one this week or tonight. And it's funny because they start this week's episode off with like Stephen A. and Shannon Sharp basically saying the Chiefs are done earlier in the season. And then it kind of segues into the conversation of they might have found their identity. These guys might actually be right where they are. The Nick Wright and like the way the camera work is, it just kind of gets you there. And I just it, it it the playoff side of it is is very interesting, and I think it's good to have that they do this all year out because this team does seemingly go to a deep playoff run every single year, and the content gets better. And you know Mitch Holtis's calls, you know they get better and better every time you you know you, you watch the franchise and you may, might pick up on things, mic'd up players, like when Mahomes throws a touchdown to Travis Kelsey in this episode, Mahomes goes berserk, and it's great. And I'm not going to tell you what he said because it's Sunday and it's a it's a safe place here. No, no, no ruckus on Sunday. It's the Lord's Day. And it's interesting, like how you can tell watching the franchise that they listen, that they know 
what what's being said for some reason. Because some of the things that like you hear Kelsey say when they sit down and do the one on ones, he's like, you know, we hear a lot about being villains, and I'm like, oh, okay. And then every once in a while, every once in a while, you hear a familiar voice. This is one of those gut check moments. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Quentin, who is that? I don't know, but I I know that smooth voice. Is that the crown jewel? It might be. Okay, I'll play this again. This is one of those gut check moments. The Chiefs just had their most embarrassing loss since maybe the Super Bowl or the Tennessee Titans game. Not good. We all know what Jamar Chase is. Jamar Chase is a damn good wide receiver. He's a top five in the NFL. He's allowed to talk a bunch of trash. What stands out about that secondary for the Chiefs? If I'm being honest, nothing. The one thing that you could have done that might help the entire Chiefs kingdom is gotten this team to realize, hey, you know what? They don't respect us, nor should they. And what you also might have done is you also might have awoken a sleeping giant. This should be the first song you learn how to play on guitar. And then here's where like a random guitar player on the text line chimes in goes, it's only three chords. Yeah, I am not (laughs) even coordinated enough to play Guitar Hero on Mm -hmm. medium, so I don't think I can play the guitar. From the 913 FYI, Babe Ruth faced many Hall of Fame pitchers. Dizzy Dean, Lefty Grove, Carl Hubble, Walter Johnson, just to name a few. Okay, fine. You can have your Babe Ruth love. I just... Eh. I'd like to see what Babe Ruth was doing if the color barrier was broken earlier. That's my only thing. That'd be like... Mark McGuire played against a lot of Hall of Famers. Kurt Schilling, Randy Johnson, Greg Maddox... Yeah, they're good. But he also had to go against Pedro Martinez, CC Sabathia. You know, either way. I'm not here to get into a debate about Babe Ruth. I could care less about Babe Ruth. Uh, heroes get remembered, but legends never die. It's all in your heart, kid. You can never go wrong. That's a Sandlot quote of Babe Ruth. From the 816, yo, Dusty. Thoughts on mugs up. Fantastic. Um... The first time I ever got a tattoo was, I think, on Freaks on Nolan. I got a little clover on my back shoulder because I'm Irish. Um, And I remember afterwards, I was just, like, so freaked out. I don't know why. I was just like, I have a tattoo? I'm 16? And I went to Mugs Up uh, afterwards and just got a root beer float. It was fantastic. A good old solid root beer float is the only way I'll drink root beer. Which, uh, what root beer? Regular. No, no, no. Like what brand? Mugs up. Oh, what's my go? I don't drink root beer. No, I mean if you're getting a root beer float. Oh, you've got you got mugs, you've it, got barks, you've got A and W. It's got to be either from Mugs Up or A and W. Okay. Or IBC is pretty good. I swear to you, mm-hmm. this is a true story. Yeah. This was a two and a half year argument that peaked and valleyed mm-hmm. between me and my college roommates and a couple of my buddies that spent a lot of time in my house about which root beer was of the best root beer for a root beer float. 
Mm. That wasn't a, a slideshow debate? No, I, I, it's A&W for me because mm. you got the vanilla flavor mm. for the in in the A&W, so it complements yeah. the ice cream better. And all these people are, you know, Barks fans, so, you know. I used wrong. to always think it was Bargs. I thought that was a G, not a Q. Whatever. No, I mean, I, no, you're right. I just, for years, I never really looked at I just, root beer is so pungent. It's just like, ugh. Pungent? Yeah. It's like right when you open up, the entire house smells like root beer. You're like, ugh. It's illegal in seven countries. Um, I'm also not a big cream soda guy. Yeah, I'm also, I'm not a big cream soda person. Although I do like, uh, I do like the uh, orange cream sickle drink yeah. or whatever that is. Somebody from the 816, shoulder tat. Probably should have just got a, I can't say that on here. <laughs> Sunday show. Lower back tattoo is what they were saying. Yeah. It's more of like a shoulder blade. Like my back left shoulder blade. It's so faded now it doesn't matter. Um, But yeah. This is, I guess, the second to last weekend without football. Yeah, I get it. I don't if know you if you count can call this weekend? football. Yeah, because you hate the Pro Bowl. I do. But I don't think it's the Pro Bowl itself. I think it's a lot of all-star games. Yeah. Right? We have the NBA all-star game coming up soon. But, like, we were kind of spitballing this discussion. Like, why does the Pro Bowl suck? Like, why is the Pro Bowl not good? Is it because it's in a terrible time spot? It's the weekend before the Super Bowl? So anyone and everyone who ever plays in the Super Bowl never plays in the Pro Bowl. And most of the time, if you're in the Super Bowl, you probably had a good year or many of you had a good year. So you're probably selected to the Pro Bowl unless you're Legereus Need. I mean, and you think about it, you figure you're what? You've probably got six, six Pro Bowlers between the two teams at least, you know. So you're talking about because, you know, yeah. at least one of the quarterbacks is is you know, had their, their best year and is in the Pro Bowl and made the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. You figure there's one or two skill position guys that aren't going to be there because they're on, you know, you figure one of the top offenses in the league. And then you've got guys that have made defensive plays all year. And so they're not going to be there. Mm-hmm. So probably just talking through it, there's yeah. probably six guys at least, probably more that aren't going to be there. Right. And I think another thing that's interesting um, about why the Pro Bowl sucks is that they tinkered with something that didn't need to be tinkered with. Like it used to be the weekend after the Super Bowl, once all of football was over, everybody would go to the Pro Bowl because it was in Honolulu, which to me, if I'm in the Pro Bowl and I just got done with my football season, I'm a thousand percent going to Honolulu. And they wore the blue versus the red, the AFC versus the NFC. Everything was fine. Most guys went. The only ones that wouldn't are people that are either Super Bowl champions and they're out living their best life, or it was they were injured. And now they tinkered with it to make the Super Bowl the week after the Pro Bowl. So anyone that's in the Super Bowl is not playing in the Pro Bowl. And they took it away from Honolulu. Nobody cares that it's in Orlando, right? No one cares that... Oh, I get to go to Orlando for a weekend and take my family? Eh. But not only that, I don't think it's just the Pro Bowl. I just think that at a time now where sports have elevated themselves to just the premier of athletes these days, that all-star games in general are just terrible. 
And I think that we tend to like more so the skills session of all-star games than we do the actual game itself. Yeah. Like I just saw a reel the other day on uh, Instagram and it was like the 1998 NL all-star lineup. And it was just phenomenal. It was like Bonds, McGuire. I mean, just like Biggio, all these just hall of fame. Bond should be in the hall of fame. Um, You know, athletes. McGuire probably should be, but obviously we're not going to get into that debate. And what's interesting is that we find ourselves having more fun watching the home run derby. Maybe we've had more fun watching the celebrity softball game during baseball. During the NBA season, if the dunk competition got back to what it used to be where the main guys would do it, it wouldn't even be close. But we like watching the three-point competition. At least I do. I like watching the NBA skills competition, like how quick and efficient those guys can be with the ball while traveling with a clock ticking in their head. The NHL, very awesome. Might be the best all-star game there is. The skills competition was amazing to watch where they're hitting like the little clay pigeons in the goal, trying to knock the plates out with targets like you would do in a video game. Yeah. And even in the Pro Bowl, the, the skills competition are much more attractive than the game itself because the game... Obviously, there's so many rules. Can't hit anybody, can't blitz, can't, you know, whatever. Unless you're Sean Taylor and you want to hit, you know, Brian Mormon, the punter, and absolutely light him up. I don't know if you've ever seen that video, but it's pretty viral. It's actually on Twitter right now as we speak. Just blows up a punter in an all-star game. It's hilarious. R.I.P. to Sean Taylor. But I think outside of what is the relevancy here, which is the Pro Bowl, which is terrible, which I don't like, in fact, the Pro Bowl skills competition this year was sad. I'm pretty sure I saw a video this morning that Dan Orlovsky did better than any quarterback in the skills competition, which made me puke and 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 re-swallow it. That's how bad it was. But I think that we've just gotten to a point where we we don't care about a game to be played. Now, I do like the NBA All-Star game because I love offense, and I think it's great when you see like LeBron and Steph go up against like Giannis and Embiid and everybody's just making it rain from everywhere. That's fun. That's what I want to see. I want to see points. I don't want to see a defensive stop. And then when it gets close to the end, then they kind of turn it on. And it's really fun to watch that because it's the greatest versus the greatest. But baseball, it just doesn't seem like there's any any pizzazz there. Plus, it's like, you know, we're at a point in time, and now with baseball, it's either you hit a home run or you you strike out. Yeah. And how many times you watch an MLB All-Star game, it's like, strikeout, 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 ground ball, ground ball, and the final score is like 2-1. to one. Yeah. Eh. Pro Bowl, same thing. It's boring, dumb, don't like it. NHL. Don't watch enough hockey to be like in tune to it to be like, oh, all-star game's on. And the same thing with, you know, the NBA. Some people are just like, ah, it's just sloppy. It's just whatever. But it's the skills competition that has everybody interested. Yeah. And then even in, especially with baseball, when they took away the the winner, you know, gets home field advantage for the for the World Series, I it lost a ton of pizzazz too. Because that was the only one that you're we like, this actually matters, you know? It, if whoever wins gets potentially game seven of the World Series at their place. So, like, it actually mattered. Then they took that away, and they gave it to the team with the better overall record, and it's like, now you've ruined why this game matters at all, and it's just back to, you know, a regular baseball game, which is fine, except yeah. for the fact that, like, a lot of these guys don't care. I think the home run derby is great because yeah. there is some – there's some like, hey, you were the the home run derby winner like three times, and you're talking about the greatest players to play, and you're like, he was mm-hmm. the home run derby. That has something to it, right? You know, there's like a there's a trophy that they give away. I think they get a car. They one of the 
car sponsors that give, yeah. they give a truck or whatever. Like the home run derby matters more. Watching the the hockey one where I that pigeon the clay thing yeah. where they were break that was like I was blown away. Yeah, because it's a skill set. It, the skills competitions to me mean way more to me because these guys aren't coming out here and playing an all star game with everything they got. Those skill competitions though, like. You'll see some of these guys do. We want to see athletes do crazy athletic things. Mm-hmm. And the best way to do it without a competitive game that affects their season is through skills competition. So keep doing that. I think the NFL is starting to get there with the skills competitions that they're doing. I think it's still going to take a few years for them to figure out which skills are the best. Like who, you right. know, if you're the quarterback ones, I think they got it. The problem is they just don't have the right players there. Yeah. But some of these other positions, it's like, how do you test, you know, like a defensive lineman? You know, I'm not sure how you do that, but you have to lean into the skill stuff. Right. I think the best part about it is that we've seen these guys play because the availability of sports, like we watch baseball a lot. We watch football a lot. We watch basketball a lot. The availability is always there. Back in the day, you didn't get to see these guys play every day. Right. You didn't get to see these guys play every weekend. You're like, oh, wow. Larry Bird, I don't, I don't watch him. He's on the East Coast. It's Boston. I'll watch the All-Star game. I'll watch three-point cup. The thing is, is that when you can finally see them for their raw self, like Jason Kelsey, for example, in the skills competition, was just gung-ho on hitting that five-hole for the points. He didn't care about three, two. He was just going to get that, that point. He was going to get the football to go through the five spot. And he went and he went and he went and he went. That was interesting to watch. You mentioned home run derby. Uh, Pete Alonso down in the weight room doing curls and doing like bench pressing, getting ready for the home run derby because he really wants to win it. The all-star game, I'm going to get one at bat. I'm going to swing as hard as I can. I mean, they're going to strike out or do something crazy. And maybe that's where you like it. But I see enough of what these guys are. I want to see them outside of the norm and see how real skill set they really are. Like, for example, if you were to take the PGA Tour and do an all-star tournament, I wouldn't care watching it on Sunday if it was just best score wins. What I'd be more in tune to would be to watch them at, like, Top Golf and be how many times can Justin Thomas put a nine iron in this target consecutively? Like, you watch an Aaron Judge. How many times can he hit a home run to right field over and over and over? Like, Adley Rushman last year, right? Hit from the right side, hit from the left side, stole the show. And you're like, that was awesome. But when you watch the MLB All-Star game, you're like, oh, gosh, two to one. It's full of Braves and Yankees and Angels. I, I see these guys all the time. What you don't get to see those guys do all the time is get outside their comfort zone and show you their raw skill, talent. I think that's why you and I both agree that the game itself in every single sport, Pro Bowl, NFL, All-Star Game, NBA, All-Star Game, MLB, don't care about the game. What you care about is how real wickedly talented these players are. Especially when you get those like, 45 second, you know, mosh clips of these guys doing it and they come through on your social media or, you know, they play them on ESPN. They're like, look what this, you know, 325 pound Mm -hmm. linebacker or uh, offensive lineman was able to do, you know, running down the field. It's like you don't get to see them do that. So, yeah, trying to take them out of their comfort zone and let them let them just show how true athletes that they are. No doubt about it. Coming up on the other side, we're doing it again. This is the third time now. That we're getting a little bit more stylish when it comes to a winning franchise. It's Quentin. I'm Dusty Likens. I'll explain what that means on the other side as we wrap up the 10 o'clock hour here on After Hours on 610 Sports Radio. I love seeing the text line come in with just, Dano is a turd. 
I could be wrong, but I thought I saw something that said that there was uh, like NFL teams that were thinking about giving Dan Orlovsky a chance to be an offensive coordinator. I wouldn't surprise me. Dude, we saw a center playing on ESPN or uh, talking on ESPN become a head coach. Yeah. So nothing surprises me. Nothing would surprise me, I guess. It's just sad that in the skills competition, Dan Orlovsky went out there with a tie and suit and outdid every quarterback. Yeah. He also has more safeties than defensive linemen. That's hilarious. Didn't his team go 0-16 when he was the quarterback? Uh, I don't know if he was I don't know if he was the quarterback when he was on the Lions. I don't know if that was the I think year. it was. That'd be pretty funny. He's out skilling the skills. And a suit and tie. Maybe that uh, you know, maybe we shouldn't talk about it because it kind of undermines our argument that the skills is the better. Well, when it's Baker Mayfield and Tua and Dan Orlovsky in a suit and tie out there hitting targets better than all the other quarterbacks, kind of sad. Are we sure Dan O isn't the, the guy on Sunny in Philadelphia? Also, never seen that show. There's a reason. I don't like Charlie Day. He annoys me. I'm sure there's a lot of people like, well, we don't like you. You annoy us. We still listen. I appreciate that. Charlie Day also hasn't had his voice on the franchise. Hey, don't. You know, two two similar career levels. Yeah. Except that uh, I'm pretty sure that Jennifer Aniston was in love with him and horrible bosses, and Jennifer Aniston doesn't even know who the hell I am. Quentin, this world is a strange place. You might not be able to get his girlfriend, but you can get his haircut. Can Travis Kelsey's popularity soar any higher? Apparently so. A new poll says he tops the list of football players Americans want as their next door neighbor. And now his haircut is the top request at barbershops across the country. The buzz cut even has its own name. It's called, what else, the Travis Kelsey. Now, meet the barber. Philadelphia native Patrick Reagan has been cutting Kelsey's hair for years. He even does house calls, traveling all the way to Kansas City. He uses a headlamp to get that crisp hairline. Guys are flooding barbershops asking for the cut. Even this youngster is getting his locks shaved off to look just like his football hero. I'm getting the Kelsey cut. We went to Astor Place hairstylists in New York City. We're going to buzz his hair down to this level, and then we're going to skin fade the size out. Barber Stephen Hammond is giving his client Leon the Travis Kelsey. Here he is before and after. Kelsey's twin. I'm getting the Kelsey cut. That's the drop we got. In your life, have you ever gone to a barber shop and been like, I want my hair to look just like this guy's? Absolutely not. Then again, I'm, I've never been to a barber shop. I always go to Great Clips in mm. Liberty. So, But you get your hair cut like a serial killer. Not the look, but you just sit there and you're like, don't talk to me. Don't make eye contact. Just tip my head where you want it to go to where you need to cut it. Yeah, 100%. I don't want to talk it. to you. I knew it. I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to. You're missing I don't want to out. Make, I don't want to make small talk. You're missing I, out. I have, I have, I have a few life rules. Okay, okay. a few. It seems a like few. you have a lot. I have a few. Well, they're kind of generic. You know, okay. some some Are would they? say some would say they're guidelines. Okay, go ahead, great uh, clips. I, <laughs> I, I don't want to do small talk in like small confined places. I don't talk to people on elevators. You know what I do? I'll say I'll be like, "Oh, hey, what floor are you going to?" I don't then, think a lot of people talk okay, on elevators. So that's that's a you know, I just don't do that. Have you ever broken wind on an elevator with just one other person? Like crop dusted an elevator? Accidentally? 
No, I, I have not. Okay. So the haircut is is the same same thing. I'm yeah. sitting down, and also getting my haircut is physically uncomfortable too because mm. with how tall I am, I mm. have to slouch. I have to like get real low in the chair. Mm. It hurts my back. Now I don't I don't want to talk to you. Just, See, let's get this done. Clip it. That's why I get my hair as short as I cut it. Right. I don't like how short my hair is right you now. You just buzz it yourself. I don't I don't like how short it is right now, but I do that so I don't have to go back. See, you're missing out. And I've had the same barber for 15 years. Shout out Mike Courtney. Part owner of Courtney Brothers, Blue Springs Haircut, 40 Highway. If you ever want to get your haircut there. Solid guys. The only thing I've ever said was, hey, I really want to straight, I want to start having a fade. Which that's what the Kelsey cut is. It's just a high fade and very short on the top. Now, I have a very large cranium, so I've got to be careful with what I do with my hair. And the only thing I've ever remotely told Mike, my barber, who I love and I've built a relationship with, I'll always go there until I either am incapable of doing so or he doesn't do it anymore. But it's more so like I love the atmosphere and what you get when you when you have a good barber. And my favorite part is at the very end, the hot shaving foam on the neck, and he pulls out the straight blade, and he goes around and just precisely gives you that that even look. And then I'm also weird. When I get my hair cut, I take Todd George back to Lee Summit from Blue Springs, very popular road. And uh, once I get in the clear, because it's very minimal traffic there, I'll roll my window down and stick my head out the window and, like, shake my hair out. Like a shaggy dog? Mm-hmm. Dead straight. And I know there's been people that have passed me like, what is this guy doing? It's 8 in the morning. Why is his head out the window and doing this? But, I mean, never in my life. And I get it in the text I came in. That's what we were alluding to. A couple years back, it was, I'm going to get the Mahomes cut. There was a lot of kids who got the Mahomes cut. And then in, what, 14 and 15, it was the Haas? Yeah, and the the Drew Butera was popular because remember when he would get on base, he would like mm, flip the his, shake. He would, yeah, he would like flip his hair. There were a lot of people that had that. Somebody says, "Check out John's hairstyling, 95th and Mission Road, Leewood, Kansas." Ask for Steve. I appreciate it, but I'll not leave my I will not leave my barber. But I'll give him a shout out, Steve, at John's hairstyling from the four one seven. You annoy me, but that's why I listen to you. Love it. That's that's toxic. <laughs> like that's toxic. Thank dude. Thanks for listening, though. But, yeah, I appreciate it. Dude, the Travis Kelsey is just what every white guy gets going to a black barber shop. It's just a fade. Yep. I like this one. I got the Bruce Willis post-95. That's just bald. Or is that the cul-de-sac? <sighs> I don't even – I can't imagine going to a, to a barber shop where, like, after you get your hair cut, you mm-hmm. have to stick around and they, like, do the towel and the massage. I was like, that sounds Sometimes horrible. that's nice. Sometimes that's nice. Or I could just go home, take a hot shower, and move on with my life. I don't know what this means, but somebody from the 913 says, Dusty, I knew you had a red flag. I think I've got more than one. <laughs> Most people who work in radio have more than one. Yeah. Yep. We're past our break time, but when we come back, we'll revisit some of the topics we had in the 9 o'clock hour, unless you missed it. And I think I figured out drinking. I think I figured it out. I know it's Sunday, but I think I figured out the perfect way to enjoy activity on a Saturday or a Sunday or a Sunday. That's Quentin. I'm Dusty. This is 610 Sports Radio, and you're listening to After Hours.